Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Keller. Along with me is Mr. Matt Disher. He's got a nice little mustache going right now. And we have a fantastic... <laughs> you call it? Yeah, yeah. We have a fantastic guest this week. Stephanie Markich is with us today. How are you today, Stephanie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, as we normally do, we like to get into the news. Matt, I wanted to ask, how's everything been going in Cincinnati? Uh, no complaints here. I think it's about 70 degrees today, or yeah. 65 degrees today, so it's finally, uh, spring has sprung. But if you're from the Midwest, or if you're especially from Cincinnati, we always joke around that here in Ohio, maybe particularly Cincinnati, you'll experience all four seasons in one day. So mm-hmm. uh, it starts out with some frost on the ground, gets up into the 60s or 70s during the day, and then who knows, it could snow tonight. We just, we don't know. But this is like the false or the fake just kidding spring yeah it'll it'll snow in april yeah yeah it's that yeah it's that here's what's to come right but back to winter back to your normally scheduled programming it fools us yeah <laughs> um yeah. yeah wanted to wanted to get in some news today uh the first one a little heartfelt story we had a world war ii veteran receive his medals on his 100th birthday lieutenant bill allen was awarded the bronze star and he got a replacement for his purple heart that he lost when he was evacuated from the hospital Back in 1945, uh, for his service in World War II, he was a platoon leader with the 29th Division in Europe uh, during World War II, got himself a Purple Heart and a bronze medal, and they gave it to him at his assisted living facility out there in the courtyard. Uh, Fantastic, fantastic story. It was nice to see something like that. You know, wish more military stories were like that, because the second one I have is the COVID ROMs that are being served. So with the COVID restrictions, they can't have everybody in the chow hall. So you can kind of swing by. You'll get yourself a styrofoam flip-top box with some supposed food in it. And if you go over to Military Times, there's some photos of uh, some of these, as I said before, so-called meals provided. Uh, I'm looking at one here. It's three meatballs with about 17 peas and a dinner roll. Uh, that was served to somebody. Uh, we have a corn dog and about seven curly fries. <laughs> so uh, some of these some of these meals are rough. Uh, a cup of chili with just a a full hot dog laid out in it. Uh, looks like some succotash there and a Ritz Bits cheese crackers pack inserted into here. I'm thinking an MRE might be better at this right? point. Looking at these, nope. I would rather take an MRE now. There's a good side to this. I'm looking at one here. It looks like a uh, looks like a piece of barbecue chicken over top of some white rice. There's some mixed vegetables, and they have a side green salad, which the salad looks very colorful and fresh. This one, I'd be happy to eat. Some of these other ones, not so much. So they're doing a good job of showing both sides. Uh, looks like a Thanksgiving Day meal here. You got some ham, some turkey, some mashed potatoes and gravy, uh, steamed broccoli. Some of these look okay. Some of them are rough. A pack of Pop-Tarts. Which a, branch are we looking at here? Which branch is serving these meals? Because that'll tell uh, us what kind of food it is. Uh, well, they, they do put over, under the pictures sent to us from naval officers, sent to us from Marine Corps uh, Corporal, you know. So it's right. it's all the branches seem to be doing this. We have a, uh, a one of those just waffles you throw in the toaster. It does not look like it really spent too much time there uh, with a cup of syrup, a pack of Pop-Tarts, and I'm counting four hash browns. Four little potato wedge hash browns. So, <laughs> I'll be honest. This sounds better than anything I ever ate when I served in the military, and and it's been a few years. And I know that even the MREs now are like gourmet meals compared to what we were eating back then. The, the I'm sure they still have the five fingers of death and like the the mystery meat uh, burritos and things like that. Mm-hmm. That they all taste all the meat and all of those tasted exactly the same. So the hot dogs tasted exactly like the chicken. <laughs> tasted exactly like the ham. Uh, the pound cake. Yeah, like yeah. they all tasted the same. Now, the, the chow hall meals, the mess hall meals were different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I distinctly remember, and I'm going to insult some of the, the people in the kitchen um, uh, who were, you know, serving in the Marine Corps. But we used to go over to Kadena Air Base, to the Air Force Base in Okinawa, so we didn't have to eat at our own chow hall in the Marine Corps. because the good food ta- was. Taco Tuesday was not tacos. I'll tell you that. It wasn't tacos. Whatever it was, it looked like tacos, but they weren't tacos. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was gas station tacos, is what they were serving us. They were, um, they were okay. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not growing a tail or anything now, so. <laughs> <laughs> it was edible. 
I, I agree with Stephanie. Uh, looking at some of these photos, I do think that MREs are probably, honestly, a better option for some of these. Now, like I said, they do have the counterpart to the story. They did good journalism here. Uh, some of these did turn out okay. And, you know, hopefully, this, hopefully this all gets over soon and they can start serving regular meals in the chow hall again. I, I bet the good ones came from the Air Force, though. They tended to have much oh, better food. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah. Well, the I, I, the best. I'd head over to Kadena and I'd be like, yes, I'd like my bacon cheeseburger medium well. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> sir, what sides would you like with that? I'm like, I'll, yeah. I'll have a, a tossed salad, and then uh, I'll have a, a cosmopolitan, please. Yeah. And the bartender would be over there shaking yeah. drinks up, <laughs> uh, adjusting his bow tie. <laughs> right. I mean, it really was. Uh, it was night and day. It was night and day. The the Air Force definitely had the best food uh, of the military services on Okinawa. That's for sure. Right. Um, and then this isn't necessarily a a military story, but this is something that came to my attention the other day. And it's Women's History Month. The other day was International Woman's Day. And there's that old adage that no publicity is bad publicity. And I kind of wanted to just, you know, see what you guys thought. Did either of you see the Burger King tweet the other day? No, I didn't. Okay. So Uh Burger King did some research. And I'll give you guys the backstory first. Because when I first saw it, I didn't know the backstory. But Burger King's research shows that 20% of all professional chefs across the globe are female. And they thought, why why is that? Why can't we get that at least a 50-50? So they decided they're going to start giving, um, uh, they're going to start funding more females to get into culinary schools, which is a fantastic thing. It's a great thing. Burger King decided to share this with the world with a very, very, edgy tweet i'll say and then they they put that out there for the entire world to see they let it sit there for a minute or two before they then replied to that tweet with the actual backstory so the tweet they sent out is and this is it women belong in the kitchen someone told me this i didn't i didn't want to believe it i went and found it on twitter it actually is there i did screenshot it so I could then send it to my wife and get her reaction and then go, okay, same reaction I had. Here's the backstory. So, and they're, they're definitely getting covered. CNN, I, USA Today, New York Times, uh, The Hill, all the major you know publications are definitely giving Burger King their publicity. I just don't know who in a company would say, hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Go ahead and go with it. That's... <laughs> Wow. They, they yeah. have the they have like their 24-year-old social media managers like watch this. I've seen Burger King's social media side um like Wendy's for, Wendy's introduces some new burger or something and Burger King will reply to them on social media and kind of slam them. They have a little bit of fun and most of the time that kind of stuff's fun to see. You know, uh big companies going at each other. Um I mean, they definitely got attention with that. If that's, if that's what they were going for, they got attention. I, and I'm sure most people were like, there has to be something to this. Well, I, I saw plenty of, I mean, I saw it when it was about an hour old, and there were thousands and thousands and thousands of replies to it already. Um, you know, some people just simply, uh, you know, it said, women belong in the kitchen, Burger King belongs in the trash. <laughs> yeah, uh, but pretty simple to the point of reply. I get it. Um, it was, it was one of those where I think they probably should have been a little more, uh, forward with the actual intention and the backstory to this, because again, giving scholarships to try to level out a playing field in, in, in something like, you know, culinary arts is, is a fantastic thing. And to see more female chefs would be a great thing. I I think people would be uh, shocked when that stat. I was pretty yeah. shocked. Only yeah. 20%. That's like, wow. Once I, you know, clicked on the tweet and you then see all the replies, which then immediately shows you Burger King's own replies. That's another thing. If if you just read the original tweet, that's all you're going to know. If you don't right. actually touch it and it opens up the replies, the top two are Burger King saying, it, it's very next line is, of course, if they want to, dot, dot, dot. And then says, during our research, we found that only 20% of the world's population of chefs are of the female gender. We would like to even this playing field out 
So we're proud to announce that we've started this scholarship fund to get more women into culinary schools, which is, again, it's fantastic. I just think there could have been a much better way to possibly put this out there in the world. You know, I, yeah, I, I am. I'm of the mindset that I mean, their their intention was to get the attention. You know, it was uh, it was to get on on the headlines, and then they probably intended like, wow, if people receive this wrong, let's go ahead and erase it. They still got the attention they needed, and that's that's how every media story is. Make it sensational, make it make it a headline, and then even if they have to change it or retract it, nobody sees the retractions or changes. They see the initial story. So this got them, and it's still getting them. We're talking about it right now. This got them the attention they wanted. Um, I have a Burger King right down the street from my house. I don't think I've been to it once ever. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I just, don't, I don't, I'm not really a fast food person, but particularly Burger King doesn't come up as a, a place that I'd like to, to go eat. So, you know, you know, they're not, they're competing with, you know, the Chick-fil-A's of the world who are just killing everybody right now. Chick-fil-A is like the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine if any process, COVID vaccines, military transition, anything was run by Chick-fil-A. <laughs> We'd all be like it would be like the best population of people in the world. Yeah. Um, but but, you know, you know, Burger King, I don't know. I don't know where they sit on the hierarchy of, of volume for fast food. But they if they wanted some attention, they got it. Uh, that's the best thing I can add to it. Well, well, from your comments right there, Matt, I was going to ask, since Burger King's not one of your, you know, you're not a fast food guy. If you had to go to fast food, it sounds like Chick-fil-A is your spot. Chick-fil-A. Oh, man. I mean, the line can be out out into the street and they will you'll still be in and out of there faster than you will be through a McDonald's line with like four cars in it. Um, And if you so, again, I rarely eat fast food. But if you've noticed this in recent years, I'm one of those. If the the line is too long in a drive through, I'll just park my car and go inside. Yeah. And these places will ignore you when you go inside, not Chick-fil-A, but the other fast food places, since all their volume is done in the drive through, they will largely you'll, you'll stand there and order a cheeseburger and you'll stand there for like 20 minutes if they even acknowledge you whereas in the drive-thru you're like listen i parked my car and got out and came in because i didn't want to wait in the drive-thru line and you guys aren't even helping me inside the store um yeah chick-fil-a chick-fil-a's got it down i mean they're they, they hire the right people they got the right motivation they never almost never get the order wrong and there's a joke that says if chick-fil-a does get your order wrong it was meant to be that way they, you you didn't you didn't need that extra sauce because yeah. they're always right. So um, and you know if they ever do get it wrong, they make it right. And uh, yeah, it's just a good business model all around. McDonald's used to be the the example of efficiency. I think Chick Fil A has, has surpassed much of that. Yeah, Chick Fil A is definitely leaning on the lean system. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. St- Stephanie, if you had to go to a fast food joint, where are you going? This is so my family's favorite is Taco Bell. So as we're driving, and again, I'm like, Matt, we're not, hey, we're hanging out at home. Let's get fast food. It's, hey, we're on a road trip. We need something quick and cheap. Taco Bell, kids, order something off the dollar menu. So that's always been my favorite. Knock on wood, I've never gotten sick from it. People are, like, disgusted that I would eat a Taco Bell. I'm like, it is my favorite. I do like Chick-fil-A. My other favorite, my family's favorite, is Cane's. We'll get the tailgater chicken pack. I think there's like 25 chicken fingers. I have three kids. So it's like perfect amount of food for all of us. Um, yep. Their chicken's pretty good too. Yep. I've never eaten in a Burger King since I lived in Germany back in 2003. When that and the Popeyes were the only fast food restaurants on Ramstein Air Base. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, Taco Bell's good. Taco Bell's good. I, I, I like Taco Bell, too. The, uh, again, the one – so where I live, we have this ongoing joke in our community Facebook page that Taco Bell's dr- uh, dining room is closed. They had some issues with, with, uh, with I, I guess, with some, some, some leadership or some staff just walking out of the place and not showing back up for work. And so uh, there was this period of time where the dining room was not open. This is pre-COVID. And so they put a sign up on the door. And it said that the dining room is not open. So now we share this picture in this community page. Whenever somebody's like, oh, Taco Bell, is Taco Bell open now? Somebody always puts that picture of the sign on the door back up. And, and I think now the joke is that that picture from the, the sign that's being shared is not even from our Taco Bell. But people keep sharing it. And it's just it's it's become its, its own thing. little joke. Yeah. yeah, it's just become its own little thing. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I, di- I didn't personally see it. There was a, a local Little Caesars that had a sign on the, the window that just said, we all quit. Closed. <laughs> it's like, okay, fun. Uh, yeah, if I had if I had to pick a fast food spot, I would probably go with Arby's. I guess if I'm gonna go mm-hmm. somewhere 
uh, close to me. Um, but yeah, my kids the Taco Bell as well. The they got the the taco pack, like twelve tacos. There you yep. go, kids. Twelve tacos for the three of you. Four tacos each. Figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quick and easy. I mean, yeah. Now, if I was back in California, In and Out Burger is by oh, far yes. my favorite. Oh yeah, that, yeah. that hands down, I, I would go there. Yeah, In and Out so, Burger actually qualifies as like what I consider fast food. Like I would say Five Guys, but they're not necessarily like fast fast food. And I don't go to them that often. Maybe once a year. And I'm like, man, I'd really like a good burger, but I don't want to go to a sit down spot. I'll go to five guys. I get five guys. I order my burger, my fries, my drink. And they're like $18. I'm like, yeah, that's why I don't come here that often. And then, you know, right. a year later, I'm like, oh, I want five, five guys and hit with that price. And yeah, man. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, uh, in and out burger is it's like the gourmet. It's and even, even in California where they are, or I guess it's on the West coast. So I, I looked into this one time. I was like, what if we franchised one of these and had our own? And they won't go beyond a certain point in the United States because yeah. they don't want to freeze their food. Yep. And so they, they have to deliver it fresh to wherever it goes. So even in those places where, where In-N-Out Burger is like a, a regular staple, so it's, you know, like around here, it's McDonald's or whatever, the, lo- the drive through lines are still just packed. Like, it's like everybody goes there even when they could have it every day anyway. So yep. when you're visiting Southern California and you're like, I'm going to go get some In-N-Out Burger, and the drive-through line is like down the street, and you're like, "Oh man, is this really?" So I'm going to go inside, and they probably take care of you inside too, unlike some of the other places around here. Yep. Anytime I have anybody uh, locally that's going to go out west for the first time, um, niece went out to uh, Arizona last year. Buddy of mine went out to Vegas to get married uh, about a year ago. Make sure you're hitting in and out while you're out there. You're going to like it. So everybody loves mm-hmm. it. So now hey. I want a burger. <laughs> yeah. right. It's still a little early for that, but yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, let's 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 get into our guest a little bit. Uh, Stephanie, I'll be completely honest. When when Matt booked you, he puts us he puts our guests on the Google calendar. That way I have a heads up of who we're going to talk to. And I found you on LinkedIn. And you went to West Point. And I'll be honest, uh, you know, I should be probably possibly more impressed with Harvard, Yale, things of that nature. But when I see somebody went to West Point, I mean, they go, wow. Oh, so. How'd you end up at West Point? Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Southern California. Okay. Um, my dad was a homicide detective for LAPD. And um, prior to that, starting that career, he enlisted out of high school. So he decided, well, he went to college for a year. So he actually received an appointment to the Coast Guard Academy, and he passed it up and ended up going to Wyoming to wrestle. So he was an alternate for the Olympics and then decided, I'm going to serve my country. I'm going to enlist. And so he was a Special Forces Green Beret communications guy, um, did his initial enlistment and then got out and was, hey, I want to go to LAPD, homicide detective. My dad was originally grew up in Michigan. He had an uncle that had moved to California, but this was his dream. So married my mom, moved to California. It's not a really fun childhood. Um, my dad didn't trust like anyone, like no guys ever wanted to date me. My dad's like very that's, hard that's on me. That's a good dad. That's a good dad. Yeah. So like college came around. He's like, Hey, you ever thought maybe you should go to West Point? I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's school. You'll learn leadership. Um, you'll figure out what you want to do. You're going to be in the army for five or six years after you'll have a job. You'll have no debt. This is the greatest place to go. I'm like, sure. Okay. So it's the only place I applied. Um, I found out to, I'm like, sure, I'll, go, I'll apply. I did what was like early action back then. So I had everything in, in October of my senior year in high school. And so to take a step back, I ran cross country, played basketball and ran track in high school. I was captain of all three teams, MVP of basketball. I wanted to potentially play in college. And so after I submitted everything, I had reached out to the coach at West Point, um, I found out I got in on Christmas Eve. So Senator Dianne Feinstein gave me my appointment that came on Christmas Eve. And then my letter from West Point came like the first week of January. My dad's like, sign it, send it back in. I'm like, okay. Never visited the place. Was like, I'll be fine. Yeah. Kind of thing. I did end up going out on a trip with my dad to check it out after, but I'm like, I don't really care what the school looks like. Like I'm getting a degree. Fine. I have to be in the army. Um, it, it, It definitely was tough, but, understanding growing up with my dad who was 
brutal. People are yelling at me because they have to yell at me. Like, my dad loves me. He's yelling at me because he wants me to be a better person and whatnot. But, like, strangers yelling at me, I'm like, just don't be the worst person. I can handle it. Just, just don't be the, don't be the worst one. Don't be that one. Much like, yeah. much like being in the military at all. Don't be that one. You know, there's always one that's getting yelled out and singled out. Like, just don't be that person. Yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of the trick of the military, at least for boot camp and basic trainings, is, you know, whoever, whoever your top guy is, top person is, they have that spotlight on them. So they're held to a certain standard, and it's very easy for them to uh, gain attention in both positive and negative light. So it's a little rough. And then you have the, the, the small group of individuals at the bottom, and you don't want to be one of those because it's constantly that negative light on you, and that gets that negative attention. Find yourself that home right there in the middle. Yep. I, I know uh, I was week four or five through basic training. My senior drill instructor had to ask me my name, and I go, I'm doing Sam. something. I'm doing something right. <laughs> yep. I'm not getting, I would, you know, it'd be great to be that top, you know, that top individual. We had we had a guy who went to a VMI, uh, could have been oh. an officer. He decided he wanted to go enlisted, uh, was just an absolute stud. So, uh, you know, very early on, I was like, well, he's going to be that guy. So I can't be that guy, and I don't want to be one of those guys. I'll just I'll live right here. And yeah. I, I had some, I had some, some some same advice. My recruiter was like, just sit in the middle of the pack, and and same thing. Probably by the end of boot camps, a couple of my drill instructors didn't even know my name. So I was like, I'm doing something right, or they would call me somebody else, which is yeah. even better. So it's like I'm gonna go do whatever I want, and you're gonna yell at Stucky down the down the yeah. hall, you know. <laughs> it, it, that the only way that goes wrong is when they're trying to get your attention and they're calling, you know, in your case, hey Jones, and you're not responding to Jones. Recruit Jones, and you don't turn around again. Then they're gonna, you know, and then they're up in your face like, "Why yeah. are you responding?" You're like, "My name's not Jones, sir." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So hold on, I want to I want to talk about something. So about West Point because I I have a ten year old at home, ten year old boy, and he and I talk about. So I realized that at one point when I was a kid, we never really talked about college, and it wasn't until I was probably about to graduate high school that we started talking college because I always decided I was going to go in the military, and mm-hmm. so I'm starting these conversations with my son now. Just to get it in his head, and and so my wife's family is from Nebraska, and we've visited Nebraska. To we've been to Lincoln, Nebraska, a few times, and love that college. Um, my wife went to Miami. I went to University of Cincinnati and NKU here in Cincinnati. Um, and so we're we're trying to get all of those conversations going. But then the, the couple of things that I have introduced my son to are West Point and the Naval Academy, uh, for obvious reasons for our military affiliation. But then I sit on an Ohio senator's board for academy selection. So I actually interview high school students who are going, who are trying to get into academies and we make assessments on them once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, you know, some of these kids that come in for these interview processes are just, they're like amazing. They're like, I, I was not that kid when I was in high school mm-hmm. and I, I want my son to be that kid. Um, and, and some of them are amazing athletes. Many are not, they're just in tune, intelligent people. So so, Stephanie, West Point is not like your average, and I don't know if you have anything to compare it to, but not your average college experience, is it? Can you tell us a, a little bit about that? Like, what's what makes West Point different from going to yeah, University no, of Cincinnati and living on the campus? Yeah, no, happy to talk about that. Um, I'm sure things have changed a little bit since my 20 years ago that were there. But one of the things, so in high school, I was a straight-A student. I had honors AP classes, so obviously, like, going to go to school, no, I'm going to have to, knowing I'm going to have to study. So uh, the other part, I had absolutely no clue what I wanted to be. So I felt like everyone was like, I want to be a teacher. I want to go this. And I'm like, I have no clue. West Point's going to give me all the classes I need to take. I have to pick a major. I'm going to graduate. There's no thing like it's not, you don't not graduate. They give you the 40 some credit hours, lay out the classes. It's, It's the easiest thing. It's done for you. You do pick a major. And with that comes associated classes and you do pick um, an engineering. So I would say one of the best benefits is all your classes are small. There's less than 18 kids in a class. You have direct access to the instructor. Now the academics are hard. I mean, you have to balance you're going to school along with all the military stuff. So your room has to be clean. Your shoes have to be shined. You have to do drill and ceremonies and play a sport. So if you don't play one of the division one sports or, um, club sports or like the division one sports, you do have to play an intramural. So they want you to be obviously well-rounded. So you have to get all these things done and you have a required bedtime. So it's not like you can stay up all night. 
Um, and then you have, as a plebe, you have duties that you have to do. So you have to deliver the laundry, deliver the mail. I mean, some of these things have um, changed over the years. So I know that they're trying to, you know, bring some changes about to some of these things are not like common now in the regular army and world kind of thing. And then with technology. So like we didn't have phones. We were the first class to have the internet. <laughs> so think about that. Yeah. Computers and the internet. Like, oh my gosh. It was, it was dial up, right? Dial up. Yes. Yes. It was like very, but it was like, oh my gosh. And then, then we got email. We used to have like mixed, I think it was that what it was called, like the black screen, the white, like choppy typing. And then yeah. we got Microsoft Exchange and oh my gosh. And then yeah. chat on your computer. So sad, very sad. And then by my senior year, they finally had given everyone, we all had phones in our rooms. I mean, obviously we had to pay the bill on them so we could actually call people. But now with technology, I'm sure things are very different there. You know, we kind of had no contact with the outside world. So you're there, you know, figuring out how to, figure out how to follow, how to be at West Point, how to learn all these things, make new friends, that kind of thing. You know, I remember like Friday nights sitting in my room, shining my shoes for inspection the next day. I'm like, I wonder what my friends are doing. They're probably not shining their shoes. Right. On, on a Friday night, you know, somebody that was from Southern California, maybe went to UCLA or USC or, you know, they, they're probably out at some nighttime establishment having a good yeah. time. Right. Yep, right. eating ice cream, shining shoes. Yeah, that was my Friday night. We all joke about it. We're like, mm, what wonder what our friends are doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I, I, I think that thought goes through everybody's head. I mean, it, it, this was your college experience, but but even you know beyond your college experience, probably when you were in the army, when you're serving in the army thereafter. I know when I was in training or on deployments, I'd be thinking the same thing because when I was in the Marine Corps, all my friends were in college, and so that was my experience. But. Uh, yeah, I wonder what my friends are doing right now while there's tracers going over my head. <laughs> what are, my, are my friends at the bar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes you think. How was that transition from Southern California to upstate New York? Well, if you Google winter, winter of 96 was the worst winter <laughs> on record. So I hated snow. So growing up, we had mountains behind us and my dad was like, you play sports, you're not allowed to ski, you can't get hurt. Like, So yeah. I never was... I'm like, oh, it looks nice up there, but I want to be nice and warm. So get to West Point. We leave for Christmas and we come back and it's literally shut down. Like West Point doesn't shut down. The airport shut down. A third of the core could not come back. The power went out. We were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the mess hall. It was unreal. They had to postpone training a couple days. Snow was feet high. Like, this is miserable. This is miserable. Like, I don't ever want to see snow again. Eventually it melted and got over it, but that was like my first winter. I, it was ridiculous. I remember 96. I'm, I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania. 96 was a massive blizzard for the Northeast. Yep. So yeah, I can, I can imagine that upstate New York got hammered. So yeah, you picked a great first winter to have outside of Southern California. Yeah. Great on time. the Hudson yeah. breeze coming off the Hudson and you know, now they have earmuffs for cadets. There was not an earmuff thing when we were there. Like females had their hair up, ears are sticking out. Like it's suffers. Hurry, let me get to Just brutal. So, so you you get done with West Point, you graduate. Uh, where do you find yourself after West Point? Um. So I was a transportation officer. So I ended up did my training in Virginia. I actually had a brief stint where I stayed at West Point after graduation. So I was a what's a graduate called a graduate assistant coach. They probably let about 30 second lieutenants stay and help out the sports programs there. So I ended up helping out the strength team. So I worked in the weight room with the football team, the women's basketball team, because I had played and coached basketball while I was there. Um, so that was an awesome six months. My, my sister is two years younger than me, and she's also a West Point grad. So it was kind of cool to be there an extra six months while she was still there. Um, then I did my training in Germany. So my first assignment was in Kaiserslautern, Germany. So I had just gotten married and my husband went over with me and to young lieutenant, it was the best assignment. I had such a great time. I had a cool job. My soldiers delivered the mail all over Europe. That was my first mm -hmm. job. And then my second job is I worked at Ramstein Air Base with the Air Force after 9-11. So everything that was coming in to Germany to be transloaded onto smaller planes to head into um, Afghanistan and Iraq, and we even sent people to Turkey until they had to come back. Um, so 
that was a very, I had a very good experience. It was a great time, um, despite the situation in the world. And to be in your 20s and like my husband and I own nothing. We're like, we're not buying anything. We're spending our money on traveling. When will we ever get this experience again? Mm -hmm. So try to get in, see as much as we could. Um, so yeah, it was a good experience. That's right. That's absolutely awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Being in Europe in your 20s, like you said, we're probably not going to live here long term. So yeah. let's, we don't need to invest in property. Let's, let's take this money and make well, and memories. That is a, that's one of those things that, uh, that I never really had that nobody ever told me this in the military. Not that I was often in a place to go jump on a train and travel, but like my brother was stationed in England in the Navy. And at one point in time, they got on the channel, the, the, ch- the, the channel mm-hmm. tunnel, the tunnel, wherever, and went over into, into Europe proper and went to see some places. But, uh, I talked to people, I mean, I, for a living, I talked to people leaving the military now and they're like, yeah, I'm stationed in Germany and I've been to 15 countries and I, you know, went into here and went over there and spent some time in Italy. Of course, on the on the on the flip side of that, I talk to people who are stationed in Italy right now and they're like, we got here in January of 2020 and have been sitting inside of our apartment the entire yeah. time. Yeah. So but but that's one of those those advantages, uh, Stephanie, that we talk about in, in the military is that you get worldly experience you get to go mm-hmm. see things that i mean you you have probably been to places and i know i've been to places that my friends cannot claim that they have ever visited or will ever visit places yeah. that people aren't allowed to go these days but um but who gets the opportunity to be, have an all expenses paid vacation or sorry all expenses paid trip to europe long term trip mm-hmm. um and you probably did it right cuz you you got to go see some things and you got to spend your time seeing the sights and and uh, who knows if you'll ever get that opportunity or time ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not so much a vacation. When you get Liberty, uh, you get a 96, you get that long weekend. It's up to you to make the most of it and turn it into that vacation and, and, and build those memories. I, I often still uh, you know, look back and go, Man, I should have spent more time mm-hmm. um, you know, going out and, and checking things out. I know when I was in California, I uh, Sundays, a buddy of mine, we just take Sunday drives. We just get in the truck and start driving in a certain right. direction and hey let's turn right let's turn yeah. left and we just find things we'd, yeah. we'd end up in places and we're like and then all of a sudden oh you're God. in mexico and you're like i'm not <laughs> supposed to be here yeah uh, same thing i did the same thing in, in camp pendleton well then japan so we were in okinawa and and of course we're we're on an island so there's you know you could jump on a plane but that might be logistically harder to and then where are you going to go into china or something maybe i don't know um but i i would go scuba diving at all the the hot places. Okinawa has some of the best scuba diving in the world. Uh, so I'd go to these places that people travel across the world to go see. And I'd mm-hmm. literally grab all my stuff and walk down to the beach and go into the reef, you know? So yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta experience it. And that's, that's one of those advantages of, of serving in the military. Definitely. So, so you spend your time in Europe. Uh, is that the end of your uh, army service so- or do you come back? No, I, I did come back. So um, at this point in my career, it was time to go to the captain's course. Um, so I came back, went to the captain's course. As I finished up the captain's course, um, I was pregnant with my first son. Um, and then at this point in my life also, my father had cancer again. Um, and my sister was deployed to Iraq. So she was in part of OIF the first round. She was a Black Hawk pilot, Fort Campbell there she is. So this point in my life, I'm like, okay, I have to make some decisions. So I showed up to my unit right after. So it was at Fort Eustis. I get there. I'm a few weeks, maybe like three months pregnant. My unit's deploying. They're like, kind of wrote me off. <laughs> like, You're the assistant S3 in charge of PowerPoint slides for command and staff. I'm like, wow, this is a great yes. job here. <laughs> yeah. So the unit, like somehow it's all going on and I'm there like, okay. At this point, my dad, um, ended up needing a bone marrow transplant. So he, um, he ended up getting cancer from agent orange. So he got it when I was a senior in high school, went into remission, came back. And I mean, he ends up passing away after, after I had my son, he actually sadly died my last day in the army. I got the call at midnight and I was going in to sign out in the morning cause they made me come in couldn't find the sign out person. <laughs> I remember yelling, my dad died last night. I need to leave. Yeah. And then, and then they charged me pay for that day. It's like, okay, it's a couple hundred dollars. But I'm like, listen, I showed up. You need to fix this. But yeah. 
Um, so I ended up deciding to get out. What, what made me get out truthfully is having my first child and they extended deployments to 15 months and you Mm -hmm. were going like 15 months home a year, 15 again. I knew I wanted to have more children and being away for six months is hard, but global 15 months having small children. I just, I was a personal decision. I'm like, I can't, my sister was already deployed. My dad was at this point. I know he was going to die, but I just took a look at life and said, I I can't do this right now. And so I made the decision to get out. I think that that's, that's one of those sacrifices that we often overlook when we talk about the dedication of U.S. service members is, is that a lot of these people are, I can't imagine, I can't imagine being away from my son for a week. Like that would be really hard on my family. And some of these men and women are missing weeks and months and years of time yeah. with their family. They, you go away, imagine going away with a young child at home, like a newborn or maybe not a newborn, but six month old or something like that. And then coming back and they're a year old, what what mm-hmm. time has passed? You know, it's one of those sacrifices, but I get it. I, I didn't have kids. I wasn't married when I was in the Marine Corps, but uh, one of the things that I told myself was that I wanted to have a family and I didn't want to necessarily work in that type of environment or that schedule trying to raise a family. It's just not. It's yeah. not and my husband was very supportive. So my husband was actually enlisted. So he's in the army. He was a parachute rigger for fifth special forces group. He decided he was going to, he he enlisted. He went to college for a year and decided to enlist. And then he was using his GI Bill, so got his bachelor's, got his master's. So he was like, "I'll stay home with the kids." He's very mm-hmm. supportive of my decision either way. I always told myself I wanted to stay to at least be a company commander. But at that point, seeing that cute little baby and yeah. if your life changes, on, like, right? <laughs> there's a, there's a reason that the vast majority of uh, military personnel are of a certain age. I mean, they're they're not. They don't have those roots of family yet, of their own family necessarily. You know, everybody has that mom, that dad. But these young individuals are, are they're young. They're trying to find their own way at this point. And uh, until they start to build their own family, they don't feel rooted anywhere and they can bounce around. Um, I, I know, let's say social media was around back when we were in, Matt. I could have watched, um, you know, those, those parents coming home and being reunited with their children and probably not been too overly affected by it nowadays no longer in the service been out for quite some time yeah. but having children in a family of my own i've never personally been in that situation but i watch those videos now of someone that's been out on deployment for a year 15 months come back and they surprise their child at a at a baseball game or um hey we're gonna have a special guest speaker for class today and they they walk in the class and i i just always get something in my eye i'm like chopping oh. onions oh uh, yeah i'm just you know, I uh, I went to Dallas for two days last month, and <laughs> and I I we we ended up finished. We were doing a film. We were doing some filming for for this thing that we're doing at work, and uh, we were in this uh, unique building. Anyway, we finished up. We wrapped. We wrapped um, uh, earlier than we thought. So I always I always book my flight for like the latest I can in the day, and it, it turns out that we wrapped at like noon. And I was like, all right, I'm going to grab this earlier flight on standby. Nobody's flying right now. So you just jump on an airplane and you got yeah. the whole thing to yourself. And I, so I was gone for, I'm sorry, I was gone for a day and a half and I surprised my son. And it was like one of those reunions, yeah. not nearly the same thing, but I'm like, I was gone for a day and a half. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Can't imagine uh, a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it, it it's rough. And so yeah, Stephanie, you made the, the right decision. I mean, you chose your family. You can never go wrong choosing your family. Uh, Sorry to hear about your dad passing, obviously. Uh, I'll say this. The little bit I know about you and the the very little bit I know about you, he did an amazing job. If he got got his two daughters into West Point, got them through, it sounds like he's he's top-notch. And uh, as a girl dad myself, I, I strive to be a dad similar to that. So... He, he's he's a role you. model for us girl dads. That's awesome. It's awesome. So you make that decision. You're going to get out of the military. What's the next step? You know, where, where were your, where was your head at? Where were your thoughts at? So um, being that I was a transportation officer in the army, I was like, oh, I want to do something with logistics or supply chain. I'll, you know, start looking for a job. I forgot who someone had thrown out. Hey, how about Procter and Gamble? So I had gone through multiple interviews with multiple different companies um, my husband's originally from Pittsburgh and my extended family lives north of Detroit. And one of my really good friends from West Point, he and his family are from Cincinnati. I'm like, well, Cincinnati math wise, like we're directly the same distance to Pittsburgh. 
as we are Detroit. So I'm like, we can be a quick drive from our family, like four, four and a half hours. I'll look and see. So I went to a conference. P&G was there. I interviewed, got a job, and I've been here. It'll be 16 years in June. Um, I, part of my desire for choosing P&G is like global company. They have places all over. I can do lots of different things. I've been in Cincinnati for 16 years. <laughs> <laughs> by choice, though. But by, by right. choice. Yeah. I, you know, uh, it's good to have those opportunities. You know, you, you get with a big company and you say, you know, if if in four or five years I decide, hey, you know what? I want to go back to Southern California. Parker Gamble's got a spot down in San yep. Diego. Let's hey, hey, have you. Which, uh, by the way, let's be honest. I would have gone back to Southern California by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, again, husband from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get it. Not really uh, wanting to go to Southern California. It, how, it, how, how would he do in Southern California over the winter? Is, is he a fan of the winter time? I would imagine he is from Pittsburgh. He shovels the snow outside. <laughs> okay. uh, kind of. I don't know that he's out playing in it kind of mm-hmm. thing or enjoying it like that, but obviously handles it better than I do. I'm like, hey, you can drive. Yeah. It's snowing, I'm like, I'll be working from home. Yeah. Uh, so snow. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh gets some some decent winter weather. So I just, yeah. I assume possibly he was, um, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of it, but you just, you're, you're, you're built for it. You know how to handle it. I believe he likes four seasons and we do not have that here in Ohio. It's like summer, winter, winter, summer. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, again, we're in like the full spring right now or whatever they call it here in Cincinnati. Yeah. It's the full it's spring. Totally snow next week. Totally. Right. It's going to rain one day and then boom, it's going to be winter time again for like three weeks. And then suddenly it'll be 90 degrees and the mosquitoes are out. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're in the same thing here in central Pennsylvania is uh, yesterday was very nice. Today's going to be even a little bit better. Uh, but everybody is a, of the understanding that it's going to get down into the 30s again here, at least for about a week. And then maybe, maybe we'll actually see some uh, some springtime. Tim, but, do you get the cicadas where you are? Uh, yeah, occasionally some years are worse than others. Well, we get we get the 17 year cicadas yeah. this year. Uh, yeah, I was I was gonna say I did read an article that they're supposed to be. Yeah, it's it's crazy because the last time it happened was the year that I got out of the Marine Corps. I guess it was '04, mm-hmm. and so I came home and like trying to have barbecues and stuff like that when it got warm out, and there are these gigantic bugs running into everybody. And my dog, my brother's dog, was eating them all. Anyway, that's <laughs> happening this year. Yep. So, uh, so I, I don't know when that happens. I guess it's is it an April May thing, Stephanie? Do you know? I don't even know. I think so. Maybe like I feel like June because in you might be right. I remember 2004, we were driving up from Virginia to Pennsylvania, and they were like... Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, loud, yeah. getting your car. Like, yep. Yep. Yeah. Flying in your hair when you're, like, walking through the parking lot. It's every, it's it's crazy. And they're but, noisy. Uh, they're yeah, noisy. yeah. Stephanie, you and I run into each other from time to time at different events, uh, veterans events. Tell us about that. Like, you, you spent some time working on the veteran hiring initiatives yeah. for Procter & Gamble. So after starting with the company, so I have a day job. My current day job is I work on our PNG Kroger team uh, and I support our baby care business and I do some analytics there. Um, but one of the other things, since when I came to the company, I was really impressed with the recruiting team, the military recruiting team. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. So at PNG, doing any kind of recruiting is kind of an extra, extra duty, extra job. So I volunteered to help out the recruiting team. And so I've been doing that. I think I probably started the year after I started with the company and um, I've, I don't even, Matt, what did I meet you like 10 or so years ago? We've Probably. been at so many yeah. events um, together and talked, but it's really a passion area of mine. So with PNG, we do a lot of, um, so one of the conferences we always attend are the service academy career conferences. So people who have attended and graduated from the five service academies have alumni conferences four times a year. So on behalf of PNG, we go there and we talk about the transition from the military to the civilian world. So really trying to educate and help people like, hey, do a self-assessment, figure out what you want to do. This is how you interview, really giving people tips. I do feel like the transition from military to civilian is one of the toughest because just you don't know. You don't know. Like it's just every year, every conference I go to, it, it's still surprising at how many people really don't know. They don't even know what they want to do. Um, just trying to figure that out and then get comfortable interviewing. I think that's one of the hardest folks. I'm sure you'll agree, Matt, is yeah. a lot of times people are so used to talking about their team and all the great things they did. And 
not anything that they personally individually did. So just trying to get everyone, you know, ready for that transition. So I feel like even if I don't end up hiring them at PNG, I want to make sure that, you know, they make the best decision for themselves and get that coaching. I've, I can't even tell you the number of people I've helped throughout the years. And even after, if it doesn't even work out for PNG, down the road, people still send me folks. Mm-hmm. Hey, I met this person. I think they'd be great for PNG. Right. Um, and then with Matt, like I've done a lot here in Cincinnati as well from like military veteran standpoint. I'm currently the vice president of our West Point Society and I lead a high school leadership and ethics seminar. We had our ninth one this year. Um, and I've done stuff with Matt here in Cincinnati, really trying to get all of the companies together, um, you know, networking, helping veterans. We, we had an alliance at one point where it was all the, the big Cincinnati companies. So it was like Centos and GE and P&G and Kroger and, and Macy's, all the companies that are headquartered here. And that became this quarterly meeting, lunch meeting, where we would talk about how we start attracting this this uh, military talent to come to, to, uh, to Cincinnati. Because what we decided was exactly what Stephanie just said. If, if we can't hire somebody at Procter & Gamble, perhaps they can pass a resume over to GE or Cintas or Macy's or et cetera. So that's something actually I, I, I aim to stand up again in the future in a post-COVID world. I stepped away from the military space for a couple of years and, and pursued some other things in my career. And I've come back to it now. And it's, it is also my passion area. It's like w- what I enjoy doing. And now I joke around, I get, I get paid to do what I like doing. And it's, it's a, it's a great community. We have, you know, a lot of things that we can do, but, uh, here in Cincinnati, we've got all these different organizations that have raised their hand to say, you know, we'd, we'd like to participate. And what I found is a lot of companies, if they don't have subject matter experts within them, sometimes they they need guidance from those of us who've been doing this for a little while. And so they might not have the resources to build a program or house a program, but that doesn't mean that they're not interested in, in hiring military. So it's, it's, uh, it's one of those areas where we can counsel those transitioning service members and try to attract them to come here. But Yes, Stephanie and I have been at in multiple meeting rooms together, sitting at the same table, and then we bumped into each other out in Los Angeles for the Student Veterans of America event yep. last year. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's it, it becomes one of these things where you start seeing the same people in the same arenas. So I'm I'm really looking forward to as much as I we were talking about uh, traveling and and being away from your family and being away from your kids. I am looking forward to the post COVID world where some of these events start hopping off again, and and we can we can get into some of these venues again and start having these conversations face to face instead of on, on Skype or teams or whatever. Stephanie Kroger's got to be a massive account. I assume for Procter and Gamble. Yes. Yes. They're the top <laughs> grocer in the country. Yeah. Or, so yeah, it's a, it's I, I was going to say, I, I, I mean, Walmart's not considered a gross. I mean, they have plenty of grocery Stores with groceries in them, but Kroger's just strictly a grocery store. They are yep. one of the yeah, big ones. And they are, I think, the well, they're the only national grocer, but mm-hmm. they fall under different names in other regions. So I think sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. dawn on people. Like Southern California, it's Ralph's and Food yep. for Less, mm-hmm. Fred Meyer up in the north. Um, but And then a lot of the Kroger banners. I think they're in like 36 states. I could be wrong. There's a few mm-hmm. states where they don't operate, but they're the largest national grocer. I, I was going to say they have, um, they own a, a um, convenience store here in Pennsylvania, a convenience store chain. And um, so my children see their sign and their logo, and then we'll go down to South Carolina and we'll see a Kroger and they're like, Hey, that's the same. They can't use that. I'm like, well, they can because they actually own that thing they, back home. So they own all of it. It, <laughs> it has the same symbol, just a different name. So it's, yeah. yeah, they can, they can put whatever they want on it actually. So, but yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, Stephanie, you have an absolutely amazing story. Um, I, I got to ask, is is the Army Navy game the biggest week on campus up oh, there in yes. West Point? Okay. It, it, it determines like everything. And so I when they were in that losing streak, we won when I was there, not all years, but to be there and not win. I mean, mm-hmm. even now we have a local Army Navy watch party. It's usually just Army. We did it a few years with Navy and then when they were kicking our ass, it was like, so we all get together every year. I mean, the year we finally beat the win streak or the, lo- the, losing, the losing streak, streak and we yeah. won, we're standing there. People were like tears and singing the alma mater. So it, it definitely is a sense of pride. It's it's the biggest thing. Well, the, the, the game there for quite some time was played in Philadelphia. And I 
I always wanted to go to one. Uh, you have to. It's an experience. As a Marine, I, I, I just feel compelled to root for Navy. I will say this year, uh, the teams always have like a special uniform for the game. Uh, when the teams un, you know, unveiled their uniforms, I said, oh, the Army's going to win this year. I said, look at that unit. They can't come out on the field and lay an egg wearing that. I was like, Man, so uh, congratulations to the Army this year. They, they had a, a heck of a game. They looked great in those uniforms. But I, I actually wanted to – I never got to talk to anybody personally that uh, was this closely involved with that game. So, yeah, I, I wanted to know if it was honestly that big of a deal because I see the kids in the stands, and it seems like it's that big of a deal. That's for sure. Uh, it is. It it definitely is. All right. So, uh, Matt, Matt's got to get out of here. So we're going to cut this one about 10 minutes short. But Stephanie, again, fantastic, fantastic story. Uh, again, your dad did an amazing job. And, uh, you know, thank you to both you, your sister and your father for your guys' service. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Sorry about my headset ordeal earlier. It's, and, it's yeah, okay. It's exactly. The phone is happening when we're doing this. You know, we'll, and, and we can do it again sometime and, mm-hmm. and, and have another conversation. But uh, Stephanie, I, I sincerely appreciate having you on here. I appreciate you coming to talk to us. And uh, it's it's been a lo- little while since we've connected. So it's good to see you again, as always. And thank you for the work that you do in this space, too. I think one of the intentions of the podcast when we put it together was to have these conversations about what happens after the military. And I think that Yours is one of those stories as well that uh, it, it serves as another example of, of what your post-military career can can look like. And so, of course, uh, I appreciate you putting your work and effort and passion into helping more people transition out. So thanks for being here today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This was great. I really enjoyed being here and talking with you both um, and happily would do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you very much. You two out there in Cincinnati, enjoy that second winter that's coming because we know it's happening. So. Uh, for everybody else, you can find us on all the social media platforms. Give us a like. Give us a follow. You can find us on all your major podcast platforms as well. Give us a like, rating, and review. It helps us find new listeners. We appreciate every one of you. And until next week, we'll be right back here on the Beyond the Wire podcast. <laughs>